0: I grew up going to a church outside of Fort Wayne, Indiana, in New Haven, East Allen County Church of Christ. And when I was young, they started inviting summer interns from colleges uh, to come and work with the church and primarily to work with the youth. And one of those young men who came from Harding University was John Shepard. And John came, and I think I must have been around 14 years old because I know my old, my next brother up. I got two older brothers. I know Rex was able to drive at the time, so he must have been around 16. Uh, so I was either 14, 14, or 15 maybe. Uh, and uh, so I was 14 years old, and this young man came, and he said, when he first got there, he says, I want to. Uh, do an event this summer. We're going to go on a mission trip with my home congregation. He was from B.B., Arkansas. And so John Shepherd, the church that he grew up in, would go every summer to, they'd just travel and stay at a campground together. It was about, um, you know, and I was young, so I'm heart, I, I would guess there were at least 10 to 15 families um, maybe maybe up to 20, but they would have campers. They would have the spot. They would camp. Uh, so every, every day then, the mornings during the week would come. The mornings would involve going out door knocking. So mornings involved door knocking, and then in the afternoon, there was probably some kind of fun activity, and then some preparation for whatever was going to happen in the evening. Because when we would door knock, we were inviting people usually... To, uh, to Bible studies, or I think it's usually a VBS that was going on that night. We'd invite children to VBS and invite the adults to come, <clears throat> excuse me, to come and also uh, be involved in Bible study too. So it was a wonderful, wonderful time. We went to this event, the, our first time going, and I say first time, I ended up doing this again and again. Our congregation kind of got hooked on it, at least a couple of us did. Uh, so first time was to Macomb, Illinois, and we went, and staying at the campground, uh, that church became another family to me, and my mom is still in contact with some of the folks from that church in Arkansas, uh, and I'm still friends with Facebook, though we don't have much contact, but that's a, it's a neat thing, it Was a wonderful thing, so I was introduced to going out. I can kind of remember the very first time you can imagine a young boy being quite nervous to do something like that, go door to door. I remember being um, partnered up with an older gentleman, and I remember I, I believe by the end of that week, and perhaps by the end of the first day, I know that I was the one saying, hi, we're from we're rep- we're, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he's from Arkansas, and we're here helping the church. We'd like to invite you to or we'd like to offer, here's something we'd like you to read. I don't remember what all it was. But I remember that I was able to do that. And I don't have anything in my mind that was a bad experience. Of course, that was a maybe a kinder and gentler society back then, wasn't it? I don't know. But now we have the opportunity, coming up in a couple of weeks, to, on October the 8th, Go from door to door, door knocking. Inviting people to, uh, we already have flyers printed up, just offers, say, hey, we would like to pray for you and with you. Is there anything you'd like us to pray for? We'd like you to know where our church is at and you're welcome to come anytime. And that can be the extent of it. That's, it's a simple thing just to go and let people know that we care about them, that we are interested in them and that we really want to pray with them if they need prayers. And offer them an opportunity to learn more. So we have this opportunity to go and knock doors. I have—I was blessed as a young person to be able to have the opportunity to do so. Um, I was blessed to have a mother then who participated in a Fishers of Men course. I think that was probably, probably had occurred earlier, and uh, my mom went with another lady and they would go to door to door and just offer Bible studies with people. So going door to door it's not easy. Um probably is not always fun, but there is great joy in it because we are doing what we're asked to do. We are asked to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world and uh as you Notice on the, in the bulletin at the very bottom of the inside left page, it says our vision is that we will be the salt of the earth and light of the world as Scripture calls us to be. So we open up the good book. We hear this call for us to go. There is a call for us to share the gospel, to share good news. And we desire, this is our vision, is that this is who we are going to be. This is who we are. So on the outline, there are just a couple of points here. The first one I've given the most attention to. Scriptures could be added later on for all the other points too, but I'm going to focus on the first part, and that is why. Why knock on doors? Why should we go to door? Why should we care about the loss? Why should we take this message? Why should we evangelize? So first and foremost, uh, well, I'm not going to say foremost. All these are important and they're all equal. Number one, we must be fruitful and multiply. Now, this isn't something I'd always considered before. Probably isn't one that you would hear uh, to be made a point in, in lessons if different preachers from place to place would be given this lesson. But I want us to consider, first of all, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. And this one comes to mind because we had a verse of the day recently that brought me back to this thought. What was the first command in the garden? What was the first command given? What was the very first thing that's recorded that God said to the man and the woman? Because in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over... uh, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the hill on the earth excuse me verse 27 God created man in his own image in the image of God created him male and female he created them God blessed them and said to them be fruitful and multiply You know, there's no introductions here. There's no, hi, my name is God, and you are Adam and Eve. It's be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. And I think the correct image that we usually have there is that, hey, man and woman, they're to to be one, and they're to reproduce and have children like them. They're to multiply, and they're to fill up the whole earth. And the whole earth has been filled with people. But the whole earth is not filled with the people of God. We need to carry out this thought of being fruitful and multiplying. And multiplying in such a way that that those who have lost the image of God, those who have wandered from God, those who have said no to how they were created to be, we need to invite them back to who they were created to be. We must be fruitful and multiply. One of the first pictures, the very first words of God to man be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Jumping to chapter 9, verse number 1. Noah uh, steps out of the ark, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. Leviticus. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 26, verse number 9. <clears throat> Leviticus 26, verse number 9. So I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you. And I will confirm my covenant With you. Now here is the people who are newly found. They've they've just been. This is God's people, the people that are descended from Abraham, and they have just come out of slavery. And God says, "I'm going to make you into a nation. You're going to be my nation, my people." And He says, "I want you. I'm going to turn toward you and make you fruitful." And I will multiply you. Is this uh, this microphone carrying well? You, everybody able to hear me? Good. Okay. Just want to check on that. Be fruitful and multiply. Isaiah chapter eleven and verse number one. So the so we saw it with Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. Then we saw it with the the restart with Noah. Be, go. Be fruitful and multiply. We see it with. The kingdom as it's beginning with the people of God, I'm going to make you fruitful, I'll multiply you. And then there's a promise, Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So here is... Connection with where we had just recently been with the idea of the Spirit of God and that there was one who was promised, the Messiah, the one who was going to come, who was going to have the Spirit come upon Him in a more powerful way than anyone before Him. The Spirit of the Lord is going to rest upon the Messiah, the Chosen One, and we also call Him a shoot. The stem from the stem of Jesse, And a branch from his roots will bear fruit. So it's interesting, being fruitful is connected with the Savior. It was connected uh, in the garden and henceforth. And then when Jesus comes, the promise is that from him, from his roots, fruit will come. Be fruitful. Be fruitful. Isaiah chapter 59, Uh, this verse is going to be important a little bit later on too, in uh, the outline here, but in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 21, we're revisiting a a verse we've looked at recently, hope it has a lot of meaning to you, but notice as far as the, the be fruitful and multiply, that idea of bearing children, having offspring, listen to this verse, as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit which is upon you. I think they're a reference to the Messiah. That singular you. My spirit, Isaiah, is all about the coming Messiah. As So he said, this is God speaking to the Messiah. My spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord, from now and forever. But wait, Jesus didn't have children, did he? He was never buried. Oh, but he had offspring. Praise God for his offspring. I'm so glad to be one of his offspring, aren't you? So, when the Messiah comes, that one who is going to be in, in from his roots, there's going to spring up some, some fruitfulness. We know that part of that fruitfulness is that the fruit that came from the mouth of Jesus is also going to be the fruit that comes from the mouth of his offspring. We're going to say the things that Jesus said. That's part of what marks us as his offspring. Those words are always going to be in our mouth. They will come forth, but we're never going to get rid of them and let them go. The message of salvation that comes in Jesus Christ, the proclamation of the good news of a kingdom, that is the message which we are to always deliver. All of His offspring are to have those words in their mouths. On to John 15 Uh, Verse number 4. My uh, last point in this idea of fruitfulness. John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit in and of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. So abide in Christ, and you will bear much fruit. Be fruitful and multiply. This life that we're in, if you go all the way back to this Adam and Eve in the garden they weren't there just kinda hanging out. They were to be fruitful and multiply. They were were to be subduing the earth. They were ruling over things. They were active and doing. They were participants. They were working. Work is not an evil thing that we're like, oh, I hate work, you know? We should be fruitful For the kingdom of God and that kingdom should be multiplying. We're not lazy stewards doing nothing, letting things fall apart and go to waste. Let us be fruitful and multiply. We have the opportunity each and every day to do it in some way. And we have the opportunity to do this together as we on October 8th gather together and say, we're going to go do our very best to be active in doing. We're going to take what God has given to us and we're going to put it to work. We're not going to bury this talent and these words in the dirt and hope he's content with that. We're going to take it and invest it. We're going to work for God's kingdom. And the point uh, number two, so that's point number one, we must be fruitful and multiply. Point number two, we must go. This command to go, it begins with Genesis 12.1. I see it there uh, with, with Abraham. Go. Go to the land I'll show you. That's God's words to him. Eh? Genesis 12.1. Abraham, go. I know you're comfortable where you're at. You've got plenty of stuff. You've got all kinds of sheep. You've got servants. Things are great and grand. But I want you to leave your comfort. I want you to go. Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 10, and then in 4, 12, Moses. He has fled from uh, Egypt. God shows up in the burning bush and says, Go. Yeah, I'm gonna, God says, I'm going to deliver my people. So go to Pharaoh. And Moses, oh, I'll just send somebody else. I'm pretty content here. Have I not said, Go? Go! The command for God is for us to leave our comfort, leave what's easy, and to go and bear fruit for the kingdom. Judges six fourteen, Gideon, go, uh, go, mighty warrior, go in your in your strength. I can't quote that one exactly, but you're going to look in there. Judges six fourteen is to go, leave your comfort, leave your place of safety. Leave your place where you're hiding and think you're going to be fine from the enemy, and I want you to go in my strength. God gives us strength to go. Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, and that, that same same language is quoted a little bit later on. But Jonah's told to go to Nineveh. Go. You're my prophet? There are some people who need my words spoken to them. They're evil. I'm going to have to destroy them. I want you to go tell them. Go to Nineveh. And so Jonah went and got on a boat and went the other way. He went. He did the wrong thing. He did not obey. When God says go, let's just go. Let's not end up going through the mess that Jonah went through. And then in John. Excuse me, at the end of Mark chapter 16, one that's so easy to remember, John sixteen sixteen is where you can go to, but connect the verse right in front of it. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the 11. So it's, a, it's a, the corresponding verse to the one that was read to us before the, before our lesson, before the opening prayer. And He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has, been, who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Go. Eleven disciples. I've been with you guys. For a couple years now, you've seen me going and doing and teaching and making disciples. I want you to go. And he tells them, Go into all the world. Now, some people are travelers and they're just adventurous and they, ah, man, go into the world. That'll be great. I'm going. Most of us are kind of like, ah, this is home, (laughs) this is comfortable. This is easy. I know what's happening here. This is safe. But God says, go into all the world. And there are places around us that are different, that might be dangerous. There there are places where, and there are doors to be knocked where you might not be well received. And God says, go. Go into all the world. Don't skip by doors. Don't pass somebody by. God says these people are all—they're—they're they're my creation. I love them so very dearly. But we'll get to that point in just a second. But we need to go because we have the greatest—and as you think about going door to door, you might think of salesmen, right? door-to-door salesmen You don't get them quite as often anymore. But they usually, they have a product. Hey, I got something I think you want, something you need, and I've got the best price, you know. I did sales once. Uh, I take that back. I'll back up. I I might have sold a couple of things, but I was in sales once. I didn't do sales once. (laughs) Didn't really believe in my product. It didn't go so hot. Uh, but it's not, it's not easy. But you go to people and you say, here it is, isn't it great? Well, we have the greatest thing. And to call it the greatest thing doesn't sound right to say, does it? It's not a just a thing. It's not just something we're trying to sell. We have the message that saves the soul. Since we are open in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, notice what it says. It says, go preach the good news. Preach the gospel to everybody. We have a message. Go preach. That's taking a message. Take the good news. Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. We're to take that message. It's a good message. It's the greatest message. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. We've got a message that can bring people eternal life. It's the greatest thing, isn't it? It is the greatest thing. It beats sliced bread, come to think of it, doesn't it? It is some good stuff. We have the message that saves the soul. So we're commanded to be fruitful and multiply. We're commanded to go. And we're, we have the greatest thing of value. We have the message that saves the soul. And notice that the opposite part of saving the soul is that souls are lost. He who does not believe has been condemned shall be condemned. Point number four, why should we knock on doors? Because people are starving for love and purpose. You think about every door that is out there as you drive home and you look at that door, you might think behind that door is likely somebody who shall stand condemned on the day of judgment. And they don't have life in them now because they don't know Jesus. They don't know the love of Christ and they're behind their doors on their phones or sitting in a recliner watching TV, hoping to find fulfillment or joy from that. Or they're posting something to Instagram thinking, boy, hopefully somebody likes this. And when the likes don't come as much as they would like, then they're like, oh, nobody likes me. Nobody loves me. I'm all alone. And I'm... This world is, it's lost. If you don't know Jesus, you are lost and you are without hope. People out there, and you might meet them every day, and, oh, they're smiling and everything's great and good, but then they, those folks go home and they lay their head down at night and they think, well, what's the point of it all? What's the point? People are starving for love and purpose. We are created to be fruitful and multiply within god's ways building a business might kind of make you feel okay for a while you might think things are going good but then at the end of the day it's just like well what's the point it's just gonna i'm gonna die and it's gonna be left to somebody else or it might all just disappear someday the stock market will crash and it's all gone where is the hope in the things of this world And people are behind those doors and we're going up and knocking on a door. People are angry because they are without hope. And you might be entering into, well, Jesus, I don't know, what's he done for me, you know? But we've got to teach them. We have the greatest message, the message that can save them. We've got to believe that people within them, they have the God-shaped hole and they know something's wrong. They know something is missing. They know that they're searching after the wrong things. And every time they they try and get those clicks and get people to like them, or they try and make a little more money, all that gets them nowhere. The only way to feel better is to to try and forget about everything. that doesn't work either. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Notice the truth that Jesus says here. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Amen. For us who have found the way, if we really have found the way, we should be saying, Hey, everybody! everybody! I found it. You're on the path to destruction. Come with me. I'm on the road that leads to life. It's real narrow. Search and find it. We've got to love people like that. God loves the lost, and so we should love the lost too. We do love the lost. And this is our final point for why we knock on doors. Because we love all those people who might not even like us knocking on their doors. We love them. We love the people who causes problems in traffic. We love those people who throw rocks at us in whatever way, shape, or form that it comes. We love them because God loves them. How much does God love them? He loves them enough that He sent His own Son to die for them. That's how much He loved us. That's how much He loves them. And so, hey, if God has loved me that much, then I've got to do my best to love people that much too. Do we love people that much. We love them enough to realize that we've got to be fruitful, multiply, and we want to, and that we must go. When God says go, we're going to go. And we know we have the greatest thing of value, that message that can save a soul. And we know that when people receive that message that they're filled up with goodness, with the Holy Spirit when they're immersed into Christ. What a joy. Just think about saving somebody's eternal life we don't save them but we are the one who can introduce them to the one what joy let's go and save the lost there's a lot of things that will cause resistance disbelief and fear and anxiety and satan will throw obstacles in your way Um, And we have our own obstacles that we need to overcome, whether it be laziness or distraction or a lack of priorities, priorities out of place, whatever it is, maybe just say, hey, I'm not going to do this. Somebody else is going to have to do it. I'm not going to. Let's not let that resistance come to us going to a door or going to someone and sharing with them the message that we are called to share. There are some people who won't be able to go. And I ask you just to be, number one, prayerful. Prayerful for those who do go and prayerful for the people behind the door that they would just heed that call of the Spirit reaching out to them, calling them to repent, calling them to accept Christ. And I encourage you um, also to encourage those who do go, not only pray for them, but to encourage them. And find a creative way. One suggestion was you can maybe write a card that people can say, "Go when we knock on a door, hey, I've got this. And also, I've got one other, somebody wrote a note to you, somebody from the congregation, personal note, just to whoever door I got to. Maybe you can write notes to be shared. Maybe you can think of some other creative way to be involved. But participate. Let's make this a great day so that we can be the salt of the earth in the light of the world, as Scripture calls us to be. If there is anybody who has not become a part of the body, and you are the one who needs to receive Christ, today is the day. Give your life to Him today. Won't you please respond as we stand together and sing?